You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Get me a bottle of whiskey and a bowl. Spark one up. Smoke it a bowl, sir. Smoke it, smoke it, smoke it a bowl, sir. I feel stupid now. Um, it's the weed. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Bowl after bowl. Bowl, bowl after bowl. Bowlafterbowl.com. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. Are you sick yet, friends? Better not be, because Token Tuesday is just heating up. That's right. How's everybody doing in there? In the bowl. It's another Tuesday. Uh, You're listening to episode 72 of Bowl After Bowl. On March 23rd, 2021, I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. And I'm Dame DeLorean. And uh, it's good to be with you guys yet again. Uh, Shout out to everyone listening. In the Bowl, which is our ice cast stream, that you can find at bowlafterbowl.com by clicking on Listen Live and checking it out. And also, hello and a big love to all the uh, you guys listening in Gitmo Nation on the No Agenda stream. Happy to be there as well. So thank you, Sir Bimrose, for setting us up with that. Thank you. It's our second show uh, with two butts going at once. Two butts, one bowl. So uh, what's what can what could be better? What could be better? Um, Before we get too deep into things, we always like to start things off right at the top by saying thank you to everybody who helps put this show together. Because uh, while all the stuff that you hear in your ears is me and Lorian talking to a microphone and pushing some buttons and making sounds, uh, there's a lot more than just us keeping this thing going. Um, And tonight we have the biggest thank you to our executive producer, Laren. Hey, Laren, thank you. Who dropped uh, 2420 into the PayPal. So we really appreciate that. Um, Laren is our executive producer for today. And I do have a note. I'm always so bad at keeping the note ready, aren't I? Yes. Gotta shoot from the hip with those notes, right? That's all right. You'll find it. You know, it's right here. Uh, Laren says, keep doing what y'all are doing. Peace, Laren. Thank you, Laren. I really hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. But that is a dank donation, as Quirk S. rightly points out. Dankful. We are dankful for your contribution. Two 420s is 2420. That's right, that's right. Uh, thank you also to Lavish. Thank we you, Lavish. Just did a uh, Bulls with Buds episode on Sunday night with Mr. Lavish. Uh, that was f- wonderful. You can check that out. Uh, what's that <laughs> that all the podcasts say? Uh on Apple or Stitcher or wherever you'll get your podcasts. Um, somebody on No Agenda Social rightly pointed out that uh, it's just like the, a silly way to frame it with how podcasting works. You know, you're podcasting onto an RSS feed and then you're hooking this RSS feed up into different places. And, you know, hopefully with the podcast 2.0 idea, you just plug into the podcast index and that's really all you need. But, at a baseline, when you're broadcasting onto the internet in this way, really all you need is that RSS feed. And then if people want to listen to you, they can plug that RSS feed into Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts. It'd be like a radio 
station saying, you're listening to 98.9 The Rock FM on Sony or (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh, wherever you (laughs) listen to your FM radio waves. It's like, yeah, you know, you could have a lot of different radios. You could have a lot of different uh, ways to listen to your podcasts, but they're all broadcasting here on RSS. That's how it goes. That's the way it works. We've had a great week. Had uh, another adjustment. That's all right. Just yesterday. The we are loving the chiropractors. Yeah. It's funny because we do, we've we been doing Mondays and Wednesdays. And so it's nice to like get popped on Monday and then go right back in two days later. But then the Wednesday to Monday is kind of like, Ugh, I was uncomfortable this weekend. There was like this spot right in the middle between my shoulder blades. And I'm like stretching. I can feel it. I'm twinging on it. I'm like trying to get comfortable, trying to pull my arms in weird directions and just... Oh, I can feel it back there. And then uh, when he had me on my face, he didn't, he just kind of did the pelvic adjustment, right? But he didn't pop my back. He didn't like crack it. And I was just kind of like, oh, it's really in there. But I'm not going to tell dude how to do his job, you know? Yeah. He rolls me over on my back and then he has <laughs> me do that like dead man cross the arms thing. Real intense. And then he pushes down on my arms and it's just like, <laughs> like the most intense crack I've had yet right in the exact center of the spot that I've been trying to reach. And I was just like, oh, bro, how did you know? That's awesome. How did you know? They know. They just do know. Oh, well, my stuff was all out of line again. Yeah? When I went, had my little adjustment there. Because we got adjusted basically at the same time. Um, You were done a little bit sooner than me, so you got to hear some epic neck cracks <laughs> from yeah, me. Those are nice. good ones. <laughs> But yeah. You had some pretty good ones in there. Yeah. She got me good this week. Feeling nice now? Yeah, pretty good. A little better? Oh, way better. Before I went to the chiropractor, you know, I was waddling, kind of walking yeah. like a person with cerebral palsy, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I was having to like pull myself up the stairs with my arms, <laughs> like on the railing, you know, I was really just counting on that arm strength instead of my legs to take me. And now my hips are doing much better. And I don't have any of that weird sciatic pain. Because that was another thing is I'd be sitting here in the bowl and all of a sudden I'd just like lose feeling from my hip to my knee Oof. on the left side. Not fun. No. that's Especially not, if you got to get up and do something. That's not where you want to be at in the bowl. That's for sure. No. So much better. I'm so glad we found them. Well, really our midwife hooked us up. My, yeah. my midwife. Our midwife. Mine, the ours, midwife. The midwife. <laughs> midwife. Yeah. The baby's midwife? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't marry the midwife, so... I did think it was interesting as a pregnant woman. The chiropractor always asks me how the baby's moving and where he's at. Mm-hmm. And she pointed out that women who go through traditional OBGYNs or the hospital usually answer with, I don't know. Like, I have no idea where my baby's at. You know, laying in the stomach, sure. how it's positioned. Yeah. And with Is a it? midwife, every checkup you go, it's like, oh, here's a little head. Here's where the feet are. Where you? And I mean, you also can think about where you're feeling the kicks. Well, you I just, just kind of feel around on your belly. Especially <laughs> once you're this uh, this far along, I guess you'd say. The I, I don't know how you avoid or just miss out. On smashing that belly in and feeling, you know, where the kid is in there. Like, you can feel the little dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can I mean, tell you, you don't. Exactly. You don't have to be, like, 
in violently invasive or anything. Just, you know, it's a tummy. Like, oh, you push you in on it. It's like yeah, a, a little tummy massage with yeah. your fingertips. And you're, you're like, just like, oh, it's hard right there. Like, oh. <laughs> There's a shoulder. That's definitely a shoulder, you know? Yeah. Well, and if his uh, if the baby's back is against you, that's easy. Yeah, then you can like, feel oh, there's a whole back. The back and the spine and all that. Yeah, yeah. but still working on um, flipping our little guy. Yeah, he's stuck sideways. He's sideways. Yeah, he and I'm lounge sideways. What like around thirty two weeks? So I'm like, come on, dude, it's too late for that. <laughs> too late for lounging in that position. Put your head down. Put the Get snacks your away. Head down. Put Seriously. your seat back in the upright position. Now. <laughs> You had a great garlic escapade this weekend. Oh my god, I did. I went deep on the garlic, actually. Well, we had our first garlic harvest last year in like midsummer, would you say? Yeah. And right. uh, pulled up a bunch of garlic. We planted a pound of two different varieties, so a pound each, two pounds total. And we pulled about 10 pounds of garlic out of the ground or so. And uh, I figured, you know, just keep the cycle going. We cut out a pound of each to plant for next year. And what you're supposed to do when you do garlic, and really with a lot of stuff that's similar, you save the biggest, fattest bulbs because those are the ones that grew, you know, the best in your climate and in your region. So you save all the biggest ones and then you plant those and then you eat the rest of them. So we planted all the fatties this year, and this is the first generation that actually grew that are from here. Um, so that'll be cool. And then they're soft necks. So main reason I got soft neck varieties is because you can braid them for storage. And so we had all of the braided bunches of garlic hanging for ages and ages. And it's just been long enough that uh, they started to sprout out. The shoots started to come out. And so... The shoots are kind of bitter for your garlic, so when they start sprouting out, that means you, you got to, like, use them quick. So I just ended up mincing the whole, I don't know how many pounds, like, I didn't measure the weight before I started peeling and everything, but, like, after peeling and running them through the food processor, all minced up in, like, minced form, it was, th it was three pounds of garlic. Nice. <laughs> so it was a shitload of garlic. I jarred it all up. Um, put a little olive oil and uh, lemon juice in with it, keep it fresh, and uh, yeah, now we got super pungent garlic. Um, it's not like that garlic that you get in the jar at the store, because that kind of stuff, you can just keep scooping it and scooping it, you know, and it's like, it's never going to really take over a dish. You can scoop a lot in there to where you can be like, wow, I really taste the garlic, but it's never going to really take it over. But that garlic... Uh, yeah, that fresh mince. That, that garden garlic, man. Garden garlic. You yeah. can still smell it a bit in the house, although it that first day it was just like, woof. Um, well, yeah. I made that scratch pizza, yep. and I put one spoonful in olive oil on the crust and spread it out, and then I put a spoonful in the sauce, and that was just, that was too much garlic, It was. Said. A, it was a lot. <laughs> but I was having allergy issues, and I was like, oh, I'm cleared right out. It did open <laughs> me up, garlic. for sure. Yeah, it opened me up. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice. Some uh, updates on the show and everything entails, I suppose. I've been plinking away at the new website, and I got to the point where I'm trying to add episodes as data. And I'm sort of stuck. I'm 
asking a couple different people around for help. I still need to message a couple of people that might know, especially C-Mike. So maybe if he hears this, he'll text me. He usually does that. Um, but what I'm trying to do is propagate all the data for our episodes, of which there will be 72 after we're done here tonight. I've already got all of the info on my RSS feed. I've already got all of the info in XML format. I would really love to just tell SQL, hey, read this XML format, plug all of the... Because that's all the stuff I need. I need title, I need uh, description, I need you know all the stuff that we already have in the RSS feed. I just need to import that into my SQL data format. And yeah, I could type it all out, but that's going to take a long time, and it also just is something that I need to be able to know how to do. Because I know you can do it. I just need to figure out the proper uh, query to put in and build that table from. So that's my next step. And uh, last night, I knew that I couldn't go further on the episodes thing until we had all our episodes in order uploaded. So <laughs> I, I think I mentioned when we talked to Lavish on Bulls with Buds, there was a, the Lost Five at some point, we switched from that old HP pavilion, recording on that, to your little MacBook Pro. And when we switched, I don't have all of that, uh, you know, I had all the old episodes from 1 to 13. And then 14 through 18 was like right around the time we switched. And then for some reason from 19 on, I had backups of those. Huh. But those little five in the gap, uh, I had to actually boot up your old Mac and get into it. But, but you got them. Thankfully, they were back there in the iTunes artwork or the iTunes uh, media folder. Oh, boy. And so I uh, spent last night uploading <laughs> all of those. And I'd love feedback if anybody noticed uh, the feed doing weird things or anything. What I did was I uploaded them in the past. So I just did a schedule for the date that they actually launched and put the episode number incorrectly. So it should have set them in the feed back in time, so behind all of the newer episodes. But I don't know if the way that the feeds work, if that still pushes the episode out into your catcher. Do you get a notification for that, even though it's an older one? Uh, we did get a bunch of different hits and downloads and activity on, you know, I mean, I guess we uploaded, I want to say like 18 episodes last night, you know, just because that's where we were at. But uh, yeah, if you if you really want to go down the rabbit hole of the old <laughs> bull after bull episodes, they're up there in all of their twenty fourteen glory, a lack of glory, lack yeah. of glory. <laughs> um, I thought it was really funny that episode one sounds pretty decently clear, and then like right away two, three, four sound like I'm like inside of a Campbell's soup can. Oh, and I know way back there, I uh, way back then I was using the just the Best Buy Yeti USB mic that you can get. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a few people saw the, the episodes. Um, I'm just kind of interested if they automatically download or... Because our download numbers, they, I could see that, you know, not everybody was grabbing those, but that it was higher than I anticipated, too. Which is kind of... It's kind of funny when you mess with the algos or mess with the system and goof your stats up but hopefully pretty soon at least by the time this uh subscription to my current host runs out i'm gonna be migrating 
And another thought that I'm playing with, and maybe other podcasters out there can help me make this decision, um, but as far as hosting goes, if I am building my app to sort of propagate the RSS feed and customize everything myself, do I really need a podcast host or do I just need a regular host host? Like, should I just throw and serve the media files myself on a different host that can handle that? Um, Because some of that, some of that stuff is costly and some of these plans will limit you as far as the number of hours you can upload in a month, which I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to shatter all the ceilings of those plans, even on the biggest plans. So, so it's just another thing I'm uh, soliciting advice for, around. Mita says he uses Wasabi. So I'll definitely have to use uh, do a little research. Because I don't necessarily want to be paying extra for things I don't, I don't really need. But I do want to be able to store all of my stuff. And I want to be able to serve it to as many people need it served to them. So that's kind of where we're at early on in the process still. Remember uh, episode four of Bowl After Bowl when I was a guest? Yeah, that was <laughs> episode four with Lori and Rose. I remember. <sighs> I remember like it was yesterday. Lori knew my girlfriend and she goes to J school. She said journalism student. Oh my God. She's a journalism student. Wow. I am really high. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, tomorrow, I'm very up- excited. I uh, have a little chat with Paul. From the Sphinx Chat app. Ooh. And then the day after, I have a, a career fair with Centric, but I kind of want to see what different work could be done in this podcast 2.0 dev space. Especially as a junior dev, like if I'm going to be learning brand new stuff from the ground, no matter where I go, um, I would really love to do something I'm passionate about that I see you know a future in. And what better way than to uh, try to help Sphinx or Stack work out? I think that would be really cool. So let you know how that goes. And um, I also will recommend um, that Tales from the Crypt. I think it was three episodes ago that he was on. Check that out because he kind of explains further the Sphinx ecosystem and how Lightning works. He gets into some about Stack work and... A lot of their workers are actually um, working through what they call a stack phone, which is just kind of a a cheaper tier Android phone that they send out with kind of a modified version of Android that they're able to brick remotely if they need to, where they just send a signal and it locks it out and asks for a password. But they send it to their employees who are able to load the phone up. It comes with a browser that has the stack work bookmarked so they can uh, perform their tasks. There's, uh, paid sats into the Sphinx. They can communicate and chat within Sphinx and they can send these pretty much anywhere in the world. And so then you have a situation where you have an employee paid with lightning sats that are off chain their whole life so that they, you know, there's a lot of, uh, concern about privacy and anonymity, anonymity, excuse me. And you don't get necessarily that when you're making on-chain public ledger transactions. But the one of the benefits of Lightning when you're pulling it off the chain is that you're sending those sats off-chain, and so there isn't any footprint on the blockchain for those transactions. 
So you've got people out there who are given sats in that way. They've never had a on-chain transaction. Wow. So there are people with the Stackwork phones working for Stackwork that they don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. They just are working and it's working. You know, they're getting the work done <laughs> and they're getting paid for it wherever they might be. It's a really cool concept. He also talks a little bit about uh, the implications when it comes to homeschooling, implications when it comes to farming, off-grid, sustainable um, food sources. It, it gets really deep and it's pretty wild, but it's definitely a cool episode to check out. That's Tales from the Crypt podcast and uh, the one with Paul is the one you want. I think, Like I said, I think it was three episodes ago. Should have wrote down the number. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for sure. I'll put a little star right here on my notes. Star. A note for the notes. I farted on the note. (laughs) Well, Mars rover Perseverance is currently on its way to a 33 foot by 33 foot airfield in Mars Yezero Crater, where it will begin a six day process of lowering a helicopter named Ingenuity. Interesting. So that was in the headline? <laughs> yeah. The the dimensions the, of this crater it's crawling into? The airfield. Into? The airfield's dimensions. Just yes. happen to be important enough to put in the headline. That's fantastic. Double 33 is super magic. And it's the first of its kind test flight, this little uh, helicopter on Mars. So I was like, six days just to lower the helicopter. But apparently it's a, quite a process of rotating gentle. it to a vertical position and then uh, deploying the landing legs, dangling under the rover's belly. Ooh. And that's so it can power up its six battery cells. And then finally, it'll uh, lower to the ground and the rover will drive 16 feet away where it can watch it. And there will be a bunch of like mechanical checks. A 30-day window, they said, for pre-checks. Oh. And test flight. So the flight won't happen any earlier than April 8th. But uh, once Mars weather conditions are good to go, they say it will um, take a three-second climb to an altitude of 10 feet, where it will then hover for 30 seconds before lowering back to the planet's surface. Just a little test flight kind of thing? Yeah, a little test flight. See how it works in uh, Just sure Mars cool. gravity. Because Mars gravity, of course, is, you know, 33% of Earth's gravity. And so then, they just don't want the thing zooming off, like it doesn't know how strong it is or whatever? Yeah, well, I don't know how, how what they're expecting, what their expectations are. We'll see how it goes. But since they're uh, making history with this first ever helicopter flight on Mars, they attached a fabric swatch to the bottom of it that covered the wings of Orville and Wilbur Wright's flyer. You know, the first ever yeah. flight on Earth. So There you go. Little historical magic. Got the thirty three by thirty three magic. Wow, they're they're casting all kinds of spells on Mars, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good luck <laughs> to helicopter ingenuity. Hope it goes good. Yeah. Now I saw this headline today and it made me laugh, but then I read the story and I cried. <laughs> Uh-oh. A 33-year-old woman catapulted from a malfunctioning NHS bed and needs 100,000 pounds to survive the horrific neck injury. Oof. Catapulted from a bed, a hospital bed. So she has Ehlers 
Danlos syndrome, okay, uh, which affects the connective tissues in the body. Mm-hmm. It's also known as elastic skin. Um, so they're prone to like bruising and cutting of the skin real easily. Thin skinned, right? Thin skinned. <laughs> Literally thin skinned. Here comes the meme. And the joints are super flexible. And um, yeah, so just very. Um, Contortionistist, huh? Yeah, but not in a good way. Oh. <laughs> like breakable people. Well, like Mr. Glass? Yeah. And unbreakable? That, that sounds right. I can't recall the character, but sounds right. Uh, so anyway, she's um, been forced to stay in a hospital bed at home for three years. Um, and her mom said that she called her upstairs because the bed wasn't working right. And then her mom saw her as the the bed just collapsed and she fell backwards. Um, but anyways, her she had a sister who was 13 months older than her that died suddenly in September 2020. And I was surprised I didn't say it was a COVID death, but instead the parents were like, oh, no, we're, we're waiting on a post-mortem. Mm. Um, so, yeah, hopefully she won't be another COVID statistic. Well, I think if you take enough tests, you can get it. I think so. But I guess the average age of diagnosis for EDS is 28. And, and the average patient requires 12 medical services. So anyway, she falls off this bed, um, and now her neck is completely unstable, and the top two vertebrae just keep sliding back and forth, Ugh. side to side, putting Ugh. all the blood vessels and nerves under like extreme pressure. Yeah. And she can't support the weight of her head, so she's forced to just lie flat um, in a bed now. And the UK refuses to treat this injury in EDS patients. So they have to take her to Spain for life-saving surgery. Mm. Such a bummer of a 33. At first I was like, well, woman your... woman catapulted from bed. All right. Like, that yeah. sounds crazy. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And then it's like so sad. <laughs> Glass woman. Thanks, NHS. Yeah. Socialized medicine. Right. We'll fix you for free unless we won't. Unless we won't. (laughs) Unless, you know. And then we don't. Yeah, exactly. It's so lame. And then a 33-year-old man was stabbed to death by a fellow resident outside a Queens hotel turned homeless shelter. Mm. They don't know what the fight was about, but he was stabbed in the chest, back, and neck. A security guard tried to break it up, and he got slashed in the leg and the hand. And the suspect had just one minor slash to his leg. The police recovered a knife and a box cutter, and it's not clear yet which one or if both were used and if the victim was armed with one of them. But I saw a box cutter, and I was like, oh, no. No, no bueno. No. Um, sadly, at the end of January in 2020... A 54-year-old man walking past this hotel-turned-homeless shelter was knifed in the chest and killed, and no arrests have been made. Jesus. So, makes you wonder. Kind of stabby part of town. If this stabby guy might be the same stabby guy. The mad stabber. Mad stabber. Jesus. But this reminded me of something that's going on locally here. I grabbed a clip for it. Oh, yes. What is it called? It would be called, uh, I believe, Kansas. KC Homeless? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
pair of warming tents for people experiencing homelessness during a cold snap around Valentine's Day has grown into more than a dozen tents. It's named Camp Six in honor of Scott Ike, a homeless man found dead in the cold on New Year's Day. The camp is now a form of protest. It's not going to go away until we get what we want, and we're not, we're not getting what we want. So what is that? A building, a place for us to call home. Tried to get an empty apartment building, anything. We got plumbers, electricians, all that. And we can maintain it, you know, ourselves. We just need a chance. There's empty school buildings. There's empty apartments. There's empty churches. There's no reason that one person should have to lay their head on the ground if they don't want to. Amanda Eisenman is one of the organizers helping those at Camp 6 get supplies. It's the kind of outreach she's done for more than a decade, but she says not much has changed. As of Friday, KCPD says they've received at least 50 to 60 complaints in writing and over the phone about this camp. Because it's city-owned property, the police can't do much unless the city orders them to take action. Kyle Jensen is about to open his chiropractic office across the street. To look at a situation like this, as a business owner, it's very easy to see this as a problem for the business. No and I don't necessarily see it that way. I see it. these are people who are down on their luck in a bad year, and we as a community can do better. Jensen. Well, just to pause it there, I mean... I don't think those two are necessarily mutually exclusive, right? I mean, there are people down on their luck, definitely. But if you don't see it as a problem, then you are not coming up with a solution. Right. It's absolutely a problem. Right. I mean, the whole thing is a problem. Uh, it doesn't matter like what your opinion on it is or not. Uh, but if you don't see it as a problem, then that would be the people who just don't care at all. You know? I agree. It's an absolute problem, like, and, you know, we should try to fix it, but give give me that empty building over give there. Give me a building. It's kind yeah. of, uh, it's kind of, it opens up cans of worms, right? has reached out to city leaders asking about a solution. However, he says no one has given him a straight answer. In a statement to 41 Action News, a city spokesperson didn't address this camp specifically, but wrote in part, we continue to work on long-term solutions to the issue of homelessness and expect to announce a major new program in a few weeks. In the current fiscal year, the city has spent $8.5 million on services for those who are unhoused or at risk of losing their homes. But I feel like it's the responsibility of the city and the people in the city to try and do more to help to get these people out of a dangerous situation and get them into something that's more permanent. I think they're not only dragging their feet, but they're almost willfully ignoring it. They've made a task force, but that's not what we asked for. And now with the warming center at Bartle <laughs> Hall closing last week, more people have shown up here and they'll continue to welcome them so until there is no longer any space. So they didn't ask for a task force. No, they asked for a building. They for All they want is a building. Or just an empty <laughs> apartment or, an, you know. Experiencing homelessness as a protest. I was just like, my goodness, the state of things right now. If you have the ability to go experience homelessness to protest, I mean. <sighs> Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking yeah. nice. And he mentioned Bartle Hall's warming center closed just last week. Well, these people have been posted up there since February when that real bad cold spell, you know, came over. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, that guy, he sounded like he's opening up that chiropractic shop in a in a big old cavern, didn't he? Yeah, the audio was rough on that, and I didn't help him at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it, actually, I caught a lot from that um, clip because the news people were filming. They're outside, obviously, at this encampment. And this guy on a motorcycle just pulls up like right behind where the guy is interviewing her. And instead Certainly. of saying like, hey, wait a minute, like, let's wait till this motorcycle goes by. No, it's just this lady just muffled behind her mask. And then you hear. It's I was like, that is stupid. That's just bad, bad form media. What are you guys doing? Typical. Typical indeed. And I, I actually did try to play with like noise reduction on that and was just like no 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 just i'm just cutting it <laughs> not even worth it she was just going on about how i'm de- there's just no response they just don't care i've been doing this for 10 years <sighs> and, I, uh, and you know people are bringing them food and stuff and keeping it going because it's a protest so they're getting outside help now when he said the eight and a half million dollars <laughs> that are being spent to address homelessness here in Kansas City. I was like, wow, that's a huge budget. So I went on to the city's website and found that normally the city has like one and a half million dollars in annual programs uh, for the homeless, but they got seven million extra for the COVID relief funding. Ah, which sure. They, I was going to say federal they, grant or something. Yeah, they put that directly towards the homeless. In this warming center at Bartle Hall, the mayor actually put out kind of a passive aggressive, uh, like Facebook, I think it was a Facebook post. Yeah. Or a tweet where he was like, hey, yeah, like we have this and it's really good for people, but law enforcement from other towns outside of Kansas City should not be bringing people here. Because oh, they were bringing shit. homeless people into Kansas City to stay there. Yeah. He's like, hey, you don't, you know. Um, So, yeah. There are 24 different community, community organizations I found very quickly that provide housing, shelter, counseling, help with payments, and other services here in Kansas City. Um, and actually, through the CARES Act, they also have a quick turnaround service to provide rehousing for families until the end of next month because of the COVID situation. So I don't know. It's just the pro, you know, just give us a free building. Like that's what it feels like. And it's like, Hey, that's just not how it works. The whole thing is just a PR nightmare. And you can tell that that's how it's being run too, is like the PR people are, you know, drafting the legislation they're coming they're doing the think tanks they're coming up with oh what should our response be oh well we have to do something but we can't you know do a big ass giveaway so we have to put on this you know face paint makeup and pretend like everything's lottie law we're gonna roll out this big thing in just a few weeks guys it'll be wonderful (laughs) yeah i loved that it's like oh wow what a great little uh keep an eye out on our website breaking news yeah secret news so definitely not gonna fix any problems it's too bad too because a lot of the traditionally a lot of the help from the homeless has come from churches and uh, religious organizations and private organizations and that's really who should be that's doing the heavy lifting that's the 24 community organizations i referenced no doubt there's 24 of them city union mission is probably the most visible uh as far as working with the homeless here in uh kansas city and you know it's not the government's job if the if the government's job was to go and make people less poor they're going to go out and they're going to make more people poor just by trying 
that's how the government, that's how shit the government is, solving problems. Yeah. When that chiropractor was like, it's up to the city and the people to fix this. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's up to the people. It's it's up to the people in the encampment to, you know, figure something out for themselves. It's their cross to bear. Responsibility of life. Yeah. And, you know, you can, you can take responsibility also without taking blame. Like, and you can point out responsibility without casting blame. I don't think anybody is sitting around saying, well, these people deserve to be sleeping out on the street because of the choices they made in life. It's impossible to even say that. I don't know these people. I don't know their life choices. I don't know. I do know what the responsibility is, though. And, like, everyone has the responsibility to provide for their food, for their shelter, for their housing. And it ain't always easy. No. Especially during the scamdemic. But it's not the city's responsibility to keep you fed and sheltered. It's not government's responsibility to keep you fed fed and sheltered. But I just think it's frustrating when outreach comes to help you and you... It's like they're there to help those who want help and it appears that these people don't want help. They want to make a political statement or try to get free things. A free building. Well, and the, the whole hold hostage thing is just a little kid type of mentality, you know? Yeah. That whole, oh, well, we're going to stay here until we get what we demanded. Yeah. Well, no. No, you're not. And the city should shoo them off of the of their land or their property, <laughs> whatever it may be, if that's the case. If the oh. response is, no, we're going to camp here until you give us a school, uh, then the city at that point should step in and say, no, you're not going to do that. Honestly, maybe it's all just uh, crisis actors hired for this big reveal coming in a few weeks that they previewed, you know? I can't wait. The preview at the end of that news story just shocked me. I was like, you're a journalist. You're supposed to tell us what it is. You don't, don't, like, keep secrets and be like, but we got good news coming. There's good news coming. Just don't say anything if you don't know what it is. Yeah, that was kind of (laughs) gross. Yeah. Part of that $8.5 million, by the way, was spent on buying Special colored trash bags that go specifically to homeless encampments so that they can uh, keep their areas clean. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. Oh, you know what else I thought was interesting? What's that? Starting on October 24th of this year, 2021, we're going to have to dial area codes. What? Yeah. It's an FCC order affecting 37 states, 83 different area codes, uh, to prevent problems reaching the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Oh, my God. Because they want to use their three-digit 988 code. Okay. And I was like, we don't have a 988 area code. We don't even have a 918 here. I'm sure that's somewhere. But it's like they listed the, you know, the Kansas City metro area codes, 314-816-617. I was like, how is that impacting 988? <laughs> I don't so, know, man. I don't know. Uh, the western half of Missouri is impacted. The eastern half is not, except for St. Louis. That area will also not be able to just dial local numbers without the area code. And, yeah. Yep. The 988 will officially be that suicide prevention line on July 16th. So, goofity. You know, you hear so much about overpopulation. <laughs> And now here they are. I'm just kidding. I don't know. But seriously. <laughs> I mean, if you're a phone call away, I don't know. 
Well, and if it's that urgent that you can only dial three digits, like that's a that's a really bad place to be, man. If you just you're like, what was it? I mean, it goes right next to nine one one. Nine eight eight. Like, oh jeez. I'm just. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see if like the nine eight eight correlates to, to any sort of dip in suicide rates. <laughs> and like, what I mean is that going to be. I mean, people just ringing up 988 if they're, like, lonely and sad and, like, legitimately lonely and sad. Like, how 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 sad do you have to be before it's, like, misuse of the line? Are people just going to call up just because they got nobody else to talk to? I mean, what? It's, it's just interesting. I'm kind of contemplating all the different pitfalls there might be. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what the the data says yeah, the when data. they skew it in their favor. The data will never lie, that's for sure. Talk about how many lives that 988 has saved. They'll count every phone call as like a life saved <laughs> something. <laughs> oh, well, if you committed suicide, you clearly didn't reach out to 988 and talk to a friendly person over the phone here. Press 2 to speak to a representative. Can't talk to friendly faces still in Kansas City because of the stupid face diapers and... They uh, jabbed 8,000 people this past weekend at Arrowhead. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Governor Parson was there, and he um, alleges that he coined the term mega vaccine event, which I was like, dude, that's not even good. <laughs> like, <laughs> He was like, yes, I am using this term for the first time. This is a mega vaccine event. Wow. And it was. I mean, 8,000 people got the poke. Some intern got upgraded to, like, full-paid status over that one, I bet. Yeah. I just think, like... Mega vaccine. They should have called it, like, a super stabber event. Super stabber, exactly, or super jab. Super spreader, super stabber, you know? You want to be on the opposite. Yeah. Jesus. But it was was creepy watching the footage from there, and I always think it's creepy um, how excited people are getting over a vaccine. People are very proud to wave that card around, like, the... They have some kind of better than you mentality about it, you know? It just creeps me out. The amount of folks our age I have seen happy crying after getting it, like Mm -hmm. it's some life-changing event. I'm just like, you guys, yeah, you have freedom not to get the jab. You don't get freedom by getting the jab. That actually, to me, seems more like enslaving yourself. I mean, the but f- it's crazy because the first people in line are the whole trust the science crowd. And there's no science to trust on these brand new jabs that barely have had clinical trials. Only approved for emergency use. It's like, is it an emergency that you don't get the vid? And... No, you can't, when we talk to these, I mean, I know two guys that got the jab, and then it's not, it's not any emergency, it's just like making them feel better, oh, well, we might be able to travel, oh, well, there might be some vaccine passport that they're going to introduce, oh, well, we might all have to eventually get it, all this might, all might, this might, yeah. might, might, <laughs> well, you know, you know what might happen? Nothing. Right. Just like has happened this whole time. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Nothing. It's creepy how quickly people will buy into a narrative, a re- oh, like a whole reality, a whole dimension. <laughs> God help them. Yeah, well. I hope it works out for everyone. A lot of them don't believe in God, so. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help those who don't want to be helped. I guess so. Oh, and speaking of jabs, uh, like right before the show, 
we, as beautiful friends of the zoo, got an email that the zoo will be offering a jab station in their cheetah parking lot next week. Go yes. to the zoo, get your poke, go in and feel, uh, you know, like a, you did something heroic, I guess these people is how they feel. I don't know. The zoo has been real chill about not making people wear masks, and that's cool with me. Unless you want to go inside a building exhibit, like the Penguin Plaza, my favorite spot, which now limits capacity and has a line circling around the building. Ugh, that makes me mad. Oof. But... Actually, throughout the whole thing, the zoo has not ever approached someone for not wearing a mask. Mita says he just lost a family member who died a week after getting the jab. Oh, no. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that, Mita. It's, uh, it's just one of those things, man. Like, How can you trust it? And once this all dies down, how many more times are they going to be able to do this to us? Like, I don't see a limit. I don't see a ceiling, you know? If the people buy in this easily. Yeah, they're just going to roll it out over and over and over. I mean, they're going to ride this pony as long as it lasts. No kidding. And then they'll, you know, amp up sales of things like they did with toilet paper. They'll just be like, oh, hey, look, we have kind of a backlog of inventory on paper towels. Tell the people that they need the paper towels to clean things. They cannot be using dirty rags anymore and washing them. No, disposable paper towels. That's the only way to kill the coof. It's just sad. It's sad because... A lot of this uh, frenzy has led us down away from like a lot of the paths that we're supposed to be following, especially when it comes to eco-consciousness, things like that. I mean, there are masks all over in the streets. Oh, it is On the gross. sidewalks, in my yard, they blow around in the yard, like in a grocery store sh- parking lot, you will see dozens of masks just laying around. And um, it's just incredible. It's incredible what... Uh, what just the the bleeding masses have responded, the ways that they've responded, you know? Yeah. Like anyone who's just saying, wait, 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 well, just for a second, objectively think about this rationally. And then all of a sudden you're some propagandist, you know? Right. No, 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 no. What I'm telling you is just fucking lay the propaganda down. You think about it. You answer me this simple question. You answer me the simple question of where all the flu deaths went. Just that. Let's not talk about anything else. Let's talk about one thing. Where did all the goddamn flu deaths go? Where did they go? They went over in the COVID column. We cured the flu. We cured it. We must have <laughs> cured it. COVID killed the flu. Only 200 flus in a whole year. No. No. That's not... Like it flies in the face of years and years of statistical data that we've been keeping. And people don't even want to play that game. They just want... No, we trust the science. We trust the 9 o'clock news. That's all we trust. We trust it. We heard it. We saw it. He said it. Fauci said that. Yeah. Well, 53,000 pregnant women have trusted the science and oh gotten goodness. at least the first jab. That is a huge number. Yeah. Out of them, 3,200 were enrolled in a study. And, and the um, rest just opted in because <laughs> it was available to them? Yeah, the rest just got it because they could. And they weren't further studied or anything? No. Goodness gracious. Yeah, and the local news story on this talked about those in the study, and they're like, oh, these women are in all three different trimesters, and none of them have had any symptoms or anything. And I'm like, I just don't believe you. That's ridiculous. Show me. Show me all 3,200 healthy women, and then show me their healthy babies. 
I know we just had the first baby born in Florida that whose mom got the first Moderna poke, mm-hmm. and that baby was born with the antibodies. <sighs> but like, how long is that going to last? Either because they talk according about according to sources familiar according, with the, right with the baby, <laughs> according to the media, yeah, which who can trust them? Don't, you don't, don't trust, trust any of this. Media. I don't trust any of this anymore. Like, if anything, it's made me trust all of it even less than I already did, which is just irritating. Like, I'd like to have a system that you can actually participate in and trust, and like, you feel like your money is going somewhere, and like everyone is being helped in some way. But it's just not the case. The corruption is out of control. Every institution that we have that we're supposed to be able to turn to is just exploiting us, sucking us dry, and uh, pissing down our backs telling us it's raining. It's just irritating. You know, the longer it goes on, the more irritating it is for me. Uh, Another thing that's really irritating is this repeated phrase in the news and everywhere, I guess, (laughs) about how if a pregnant woman were to catch COVID, which they're more likely to because we're high risk, um, the symptoms are way worse. It's much more dangerous. But I went on the CDC's website and saw that there were... 80,590 total cases of the COOF in expecting moms. And out of that, 88 deaths. 88 deaths. Wow. So we're still at like 1%. It's less than 0.1%. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Don't mind my pregnancy brain frog. Yeah, that's incredibly low. So I'm like, what are you talking about with these high-risk symptoms and stuff. And then your body is naturally creating antibodies to pass on you know, to the baby. The fucking thing about high-risk, the big scam there, is like you're just at high fear. That's it. Yeah. So you're highly manipulated. You're highly manipulatable. You're highly open to suggestion. So they go, oh, well, you're pregnant. You should set your hair on fire. Get the shot. Oh, you're pregnant. You're in huge risk. Yeah, and it goes beyond just the coof. I mean, all of pregnancy, they prey on pregnant women, the medical industry, the complex, you know. More than half of women who end up in a hospital end up getting a C-section because they're pressured into it. Like, that's crazy. That's not cool. And yes, pregnant women are more susceptible because their brains are gearing up, you know, on the emotional side to bond with baby and not the rational, logical side. Mm-hmm. Hence the brain fog. Well, yeah, I just think it's disgusting, the manipulation and the, you know, they're, they're preying on a vulnerable population, but they're not vulnerable in that their immune system sucks. No. Their immune system is f- phenomenal. Right. <laughs> I mean. It's crazy. The whole process of incubating a baby in you turns on some crazy nice stuff in your body. Hell yeah. And um, we've just been taught to fear everything, you know? Yeah. As though, like, being pregnant is some kind of medical condition or something, you know? Some kind oh, of, excuse me, medical some kind of, emergency. Some kind of medical emergency, <laughs> some kind of ailment or illness. No. Uh, <laughs> That's its body fulfilling its entire purpose for it's being. It's my special purpose. It's genetic purpose. Hello. Hi. It's supposed to work this way. Well, if you know anyone here in Missouri that wanted the poke and couldn't get it for some reason, April 9th, every adult is able to get it. And uh, a governor person was real excited to announce that Missouri is now state number 10 for second dose Damn. completions. We went from being last of the last to in the top 10. We were behind last. We bro. were behind last. We were, we were like, behind Puerto Rico. We were 52nd <laughs> out of all states and territories, right? Yeah. 
They no. were about to put other countries in front of us. <laughs> yeah, they'll take the numbers again and shame us into oh, something else. Yeah, no. So it just, it's, it's, it's another funny. one of those rounds of how to lie with statistics. <laughs> exactly. They got exactly. it all down to a, to a T. Oh, um, magic number, alive and well in the coup realm. Of course. 33 new cases in Pennsylvania. 33 new deaths in Massachusetts. The United Kingdom reported 33 new deaths and said that was their lowest number since October. Oh, so boy. super magic number for them. Um, in Albany, New York, 33% of residents have gotten at least their first dose. They are very proud to wow, announce that. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, New York fitness classes have reopened to 33% capacity. And uh, last but not least, in Ireland... Um, people who arrive from 33 high-risk countries are required to do the mandatory quarantine thing. Oh, boy. Never could I ever. <laughs> no, you just can't travel right now. It's like Canada where they lock you in a hotel for three days or whatever. Exactly. Like, no. There's no... They lock you in a place to give you the coof or something? There is <laughs> absolutely no path I would travel down that included that. No, I'm not There's a There's no consent hostage. there. There's nothing given there. I mean that's it. It's just it's just off the table right away. I was bummed when I saw that the theme park advisors in California telling guests not to scream on roller coasters wasn't like a Babylon B. I know it article. seems such like an onion thing. I was like, it? that's pretty good. That's fun. And then I was like, oh, it's real. <laughs> Damn it. No screaming on the roller coasters. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I mean. You just hit that top and you can see for miles and miles. You're like, oh, why did I get on this again? I'm too old to be doing this. Can you scream if you're like the guy in the back? I mean, the guy in the back, you know, (laughs) your breath is just getting whipped right behind you anyway. It's not like anybody's going to eat that. (laughs) I can understand maybe the guy in the front. You would just hold your breath the whole ride, sir. You in the front. You're not allowed to breathe. They make you wear the mask still probably. So how can you breathe? And then if you get sick, oh, God. (laughs) I mean, at least the person sitting next to you don't have to worry about it so much, but you might die choking (laughs) on vomit. (laughs) They took all the amusement out of that amusement park. No joke. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's go behind the curtain. Okay, I'm in there. (laughs) I'm ready. What a joke. Yeah, this... Uh, this clown world, man. <laughs> honk, honk. Exactly. I thought I was a weirdo. No, these people walking around outside are <laughs> fucking weirdos, dude. I'm, I'm quite normal. These guys are out of their tree, dude. Oh, uh, So, uh, some of the dispensaries here in Missouri started selling vape pens and cartridges last Friday. All right, Woo! all right, all right. It's just crazy how uh, behind... It, we feel so, like, behind the times... You yeah. know, with legally, especially after going to Cannabis Cup in California, where you're just walking around doing derbs, and then there's pens everywhere. Yeah, it's like, oh, just hit a pen while you're walking around, and that's just crazy. It's so wild. But here we are. Finally got the vape pens and cartridges in stock. And then the uh, cannabis uh, regulators here in the state are starting to revoke licenses. They are up to 97 licenses revoked, all for failing to pass a commencement inspection by the required one-year deadline. Oh. Now, what's weird is that out of the 370 licenses, 
260 of them were granted deadline extensions because of the scamdemic. Right. Like, was anybody really up and running during this time? Everything got delayed. Right. So how can they expect all of these businesses to be ready to go? Uh, the licenses that got hit the hardest were like the transportation ones. Sure. I'm like, well, what is, what can they do? Yeah, that's totally <laughs> Is the market unfair. even really up and going? No. And... Uh, but yeah. here comes just another round of lawsuits. Well, no. you got to have lawfare getting anything done. Well, of course, yes, you're right. There's going to be more lawsuits. But people who didn't get licenses are celebrating. <laughs> the ones who appealed, who oh, have been yeah. sitting in lawsuits this whole time. Of course. They're like, oh my gosh, there's 97 licenses available. Yeah. I could finally be a license holder. No, you probably can't. They're probably going to um, favored people you know they probably know who they're going to they're I, mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know you don't allegedly <laughs> you don't just get to create and regulate a cartel without you know picking the winners yeah come on so i have another clip to play oh this should be good yeah 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 as president, I'll work to reform the criminal justice system, improve community policing, decriminalize marijuana, and automatically expunge prior marijuana convictions. I'm Joe Biden, and that's my commitment to you, and I approve this message. Approve being full of shit. Right. Okay, so decrim, first of all, not that great. Like, can't we just go federally legal by now when we have so many legal states? Second of all, I've read that I couldn't find him saying this out loud, but I read that he wanted the states to decriminalize. He didn't well, have any plans to do it on a federal saying, level. It's the same thing Barry said when he ran, and the same thing, you know, when we got in office, what do we see from B Obama? We didn't see dick diddly shit from him. And everybody was jumping up and down in 08 when he won. Oh, he's going to legalize weed. Oh, he's going to legalize weed. Oh, going to. No, he didn't do shit. No, and then they were like, well, not. well, you got to wait till second. You got to wait till his second term. He's going to do it his second term. The second term had four more. Oh, it's a good way to get to votes. Do it. Didn't do shit. Popped all of the fucking Cali medical shops whenever he pleased with his DEA and his Department of Justice. They just they just ran around just whack a mole on whoever they felt like on any given day. Yep, gang of thugs. And, and you're right. The, the decrim thing is a total cop out. Right. Nobody is prosecuted under federal laws for possession charges. It's all you know. It's all city, state, right, and county charges. So we had made the big mainstream news this week what a because asshole. dozens of White House staffers have been suspended or mm -hmm. asked to resign or placed in a remote work program or just canned because of using weed. Now, what's interesting is this, and I didn't know this until I did a little bit of digging, is that a few weeks ago, the Office of Personnel Management issued some updated guidance indicating that federal agencies shouldn't automatically disqualify applicants from federal service solely because of their past use of either weed or other controlled substances. I mean, you've got, on the one hand, all of the stuff that's fine, which is every pharmaceutical every pharma drug, drug under the sun, which you can get a pharmaceutical equivalent of just about anything. You know, all yeah. of the opiates, oh, they do all have of the that. meth derivatives... That 100% THC cap that's FDA approved. Yeah, you've got Marinol. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got all of this stuff. Then you've got 
alcohol, just totally legal. You know, very few alcohol screenings. You know, if you're a driver somewhere, then they'll do an alcohol screening. But, I mean, it's just so unfair. Oh, you're going to single out pot, which is the most benign of any, pretty, pretty much anything you can do. Seriously. Yeah. I think it's very bad for our country. You know, and they talk about it being a national security risk to give security clearances to people who use weed. Which is hilarious because they're probably all out drinking, spilling their guts to Project Veritas or some <laughs> shit, you know? It Now, why does every Project Veritas video happen over some martinis, hmm, man? I wonder. Maybe it's, it's like a really great way. They're always at the way. pub, aren't they? Yeah. It's like a really great drug for loosening people up. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, all the people who were approached by the White House and told that they were, you know, suspended or just gone for good... They had all just filled out this 136-page form, oh, SF-86. Uh, it's part of a lengthy background check that goes into working, you know, for federal agencies. Um, if you lie on it, it's a felony. Um, and if you get caught lying on it, aside from getting slapped with the felony, you will never be able to work for a federal agency, which these people clearly want to do. Now, something interesting that the Daily Beast mentioned was that some of the rules for how you fill out this form were relaxed or eliminated, one of which was that the existence of nude photos of a candidate can no longer automatically disqualify them from the position they're applying for. Excuse me. So you really? Have, yeah, you can, have, you can be naked on the internet like us, but you can't smoke pot. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> sick. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, uh, neither should be disqualifying outright. Context is pretty important in just about everything, but good lord, yeah, the priorities are just out of whack. Uh, the policies weren't explained to any of these staffers, um, and uh, pretty much all of them who filled out the form and admitted that they had used in the past were from legal states or shit. You know, you're in D.C. You got legal weed there legal laws um but yeah man they said i said that know. with cbd out it's just like prove it seriously up your ass prove it oh yeah you have a video of me smoking that's cbd yeah exactly come on well and then uh a statement from some anonymous white house source which i love that of you course love it, yeah. uh said that um some of these uh, suspensions could have been the result of inconsistencies, like a staffer misstating the last time they used pot. I was like, geez. Then they had, I saw later that um, the number of allowable instances of past marijuana use oh, was, was increased from Trump and Obama's administrations. You know, like they still got to put that like well, good light on yeah. Biden. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, who counts the amount of times they've smoked weed? That's so if you smoke dumb. weed, you smoke weed. It's just dumb. How many cigarettes have you smoked in your lifetime? Like, is that a question on there? It should end. How many drinks have you drunk? <laughs> yeah, what about Kamala? How many uh, doobies did she knock back listening to Tupac in 1978? Yeah. How is she in the White the House? Give me a break. Did you see that Biden Dash Harris White House too? Uh, on there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting. Here we go. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're very well, careful to call it the Biden Harris administration, aren't they? Yeah. On all of their mm. websites and in all their uh, press <laughs> coaching. I wonder why they would be doing that. Mm. 
I wonder why they would be doing that. Well, to all the cannabis activists out there who still stand by their vote for blue Biden, uh, it's worth noting that the president is the final authority on all these, you know, firings and hirings, and he can overrule any agency judgments on eligibility. But he's not going to. How stupid have we been? He's not going to. Uh, Jen Psaki had tweeted about it, too. Quote, We announced a few weeks ago that the White House had worked with the security service to update the policies to ensure that past marijuana use wouldn't automatically disqualify staff from serving in the White House. As a result, more people will serve who would not have in the past with the same level of recent drug use. The bottom line is this. Of the hundreds of people hired, only five people who had started working at the White House are no longer employed as a result of this policy. It's also worth noting that in her tweet, she tried to uh, link to a story, but she ended up just linking to the NBC.com homepage. You know? And I was like, what are uh, you trying to say, Saki? You don't even know. But I found the, uh, the Daily Beast posted the story that she meant to tweet. Oh, God. Past marijuana use won't automatically disqualify Biden White House staff. Not mm. the greatest at copy and paste, is she? <laughs> Not the greatest at anything Gee, that I know of. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like you wonder why I'm still surprised at this type of behavior, but I don't understand, you know? there, you know, And this is the veil lifted. All you idiots running around voting blue no matter who vote blue for my boo all of this dumb shit that you post on my social media feeds you're why you never see me people ask me oh why you never why you never on fuck the face bag anymore why you never on instagram oh it's been so long because you people are retarded and you're making me dumber just by reading the shit you post blue no matter who you people pulled your hairs out for four years over Trump, that he was embarrassing us on a national stage, that he was uh, such a homophobe, that he hated women so much. Now you got this guy in there. He's slicing all of the all of the potheads out of his, and not even potheads, dude. Yeah, these probably someone are, that used once. These people are <laughs> people who probably passed joints in their past, and then they were dumb enough to be honest about it on a official government form. Which, hello, yeah. Don't. Don't put it on paper. Make them prove that. <laughs> and then, you know, you're running around saying, oh, well, no, I'm not happy anymore. Like, a lot of these people who are complaining to me, I'm like, what? You're not, your guy won. You're not happy? No, none of them are happy. But they don't know why they're not happy. They don't understand. They're like, well, no, it's not fixed. Yeah, no shit, it's not fixed. You just keep making it worse. <laughs> you thought these people were going to fix it? You thought the corpse and the cop were going to go in there and make... The whole thing work? I mean, it's Seriously. unbelievable. The funniest part is the union people who are all like, well, my union, uh, they endorsed uh, the Biden man, and uh, now they're closing down the shop. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. First thing he did. I no don't understand. Uh, you Where know, did it come from? When Trump said that uh, well, Biden was going to be hard on coal and oil, well, everybody said it was a fact check that was a false, and so I believed that it was a false. <laughs> well, you got fucking played again. Welcome. Come back in four years and get played even more. Jeez. Oh, no, no, no. So irritating. The last thing I'll say on the Biden weed story of the week is that Saki told the Daily Beast, quote, there were additional factors at play in many instances for the small number of individuals who were terminated. 
Like, oh, it's not because of the pot. Sure. You know, and I also love how she keeps repeating this. Like, it's a small number of people, a small number. I don't care, lady. One's too many. One is too many. Exactly. It shouldn't be a factor. The smoky no. should not, it just should not be a factor at all. That's all. The year is 2021. That's all I'm saying. Reefer Madness should have died a hundred years ago. <laughs> we, we get on these stories too hard. We're going to be turned into the grumpy young stoners. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn. Well, um, by the way, before you go to the next thing, um, did we talk about first time I ever yet since oh, we started we the live show? So every week we do a topic, first time I ever, whatever, fill in the blank. And this week it's, we're talking about the first time I ever moved. And so if you want to uh, reach us and tell us about the first time you ever moved, it's easy to do. All you got to do is call 816-607-3663 and the play of That's right. You can call and leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can text it in if you're voice shy. Text pictures, text memes, whatever you want. Works all week. So if you're listening to this in your car, on the road, you can still text in. It's never too late to add your piece to the first time I ever. And you can answer any of the first time I ever's that we've ever had on Bull After Bull here. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I just had to wait to do the first time I ever announcement until Sir Seat Sitter showed up. Because he told us that clip makes him cringe. <laughs> it was never intended to be played over and over again. And uh, here we are. So I get endless joy out of playing it. And also before uh, I'll let you get going too. Um, so Seat Sitter and Boobery and I were working on a show where we uh, do reviews of some No Agenda Universe shows and also some non-No Agenda Universe shows. Ooh. And so more of that to come. Uh, look at us on the uh, No Agenda Social. We'll be talking about it. We'll be getting her going. Be getting her done. All so right. Something fun to hype. Another another time we can sit down in front of a microphone. <laughs> talk to the good people. Hype. Your ears are ready. So another historical move in the weed world this week. Uh the Biden thing is honestly kind of expected, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, the first penalty for pot banking violations lands on a Michigan credit union. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. It's the first time U.S. Regular regulators have publicly called out a financial institution for compliance failures in the cannabis industry. Is and that... Uh catch you is funny that they would go after a credit union rather than a bank yes yes it does i was hoping you would say something about that that stands out to me i think it's noteworthy for sure big banks you know they're they oh yeah allies I mean, with whoever usbc can launder <laughs> all of the cartel money they want and they'll just pay like a two percent fine on it you know but if you're a little credit union no yeah then grab the Vaseline because we're coming for you. Yeah, seriously. So, of course, since uh, weed is still Schedule 1 federally, federal law states that any uh, marijuana-related endeavor is a criminal enterprise. So uh, that includes, you know, working with licensed uh, state-regulated facilities, shall we? And, you know, that's why uh, a lot of these... Dispensaries in places can't obtain a bank account, process credit cards, or uh, 
take standard business deductions on their federal taxes. Mm. They're just running off cash, which... And big safes. And big safes. The cash makes them more susceptible to theft and uh, real difficult to audit. Oh, man. It's so much fun. I should explain the story. When we went... Yes, safes. We went and lobbied in D.C., and I think it was 2015, mm, I, 2014, 15, somewhere in there. 2014 or 15. Is there a Bowl After Bowl episode on it? I'm not sure, <laughs> man, but we went with Right her, around that time. It probably is. Uh, we, went, we went in there with a delegate from the MU Normal chapter, and we all got a little tiny bit of FaceTime with each of our representatives <laughs> to lobby on this issue of uh, m- marijuana legalization. At a federal level, yeah. At the federal. And that was one of the big deals at the time that's still a big deal is the banking issue and uh, how there are these cash-only businesses, which puts you at huge risk of being robbed and of not having you know access to financial services at all. And it's just a dangerous situation to be in. It's hard to pay your employees. It's hard to do payroll. It's hard to do a lot of things that a business needs to do. And um, this one kid with us, bless his heart, was explaining the problem, and he said, yeah, they just have to keep the cash in these great big giant safes. <laughs> and all of us just looked at him like, bro. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking wild, man. I'll never forget that moment. So every, t- every time the safe banking act comes up or <laughs> any kind of, uh, you know, Problems with banking in the weed industry story comes up. I just can't ever forget that cringe moment. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there in a suit and tie, just squirming like, did he say safes? <laughs> Try not to laugh. Oh, he said safes. For me, I was literally biting my lip until it bled Impressive. so that I didn't laugh. He kept going, though. He kept, he kept going. going. He didn't miss a beat. None of us cracked. No. The legislator didn't crack. <laughs> and the LA didn't crack. So, I mean, everyone was just like... Everyone was just kind of like, on that side of the table, they were like, nah, we've seen worse, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But you and I got out of there. We had we a like, good chuckle. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you know, what could they expect from the stoners rolling in? <laughs> like, ah, he did, did pretty good. normal you know? kids. He's yeah. not like, you know, he's just nervous. That's all. Exactly. <laughs> Poor kid. It's funny that you brought up the Safe Banking Act because that was just reintroduced into the U.S. House of Representatives last Thursday. Oh, this time it'll go through for sure. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Save this Michigan credit union. Yeah. So, um, yeah, of course, that would enable financial institutions to serve the state legal marijuana firms without fear of federal prosecution. It's about time. I mean, there's really two major things that the federal government needs to make moves on. Because the states have already made their moves. They've been saying for so many years, and when we were up there on Capitol Hill, that's what they were telling us. Well, we want to see what the states do. We really want to see the states move. We want to see the states. Well, the states all have done their shit now. The states with a few holdouts that are never going to do anything, which is fine, whatever. Those are the few holdouts. Literally three. But the states (laughs) that are going to move have moved, and most of them have moved again. And you're still... uh, Digging your dirt, toe in the dirt. Well, there's not enough studies. We want the states to move. No, you need to do two things. One, you need to give banking access to these businesses that are complying with laws in their state. And two, you need to pull it off of the schedule list. Just off, just gone. 
not move it from one to three or one to two or anything else. Just pull it off of the fucking schedule list. Get it off. Get it out of there. I don't care about any DOJ memos that say, oh, well, there's a memo that we don't, you know, we don't interfere. There's a memo that we don't. That can change at any time on anyone's whim for any reason. No, just pull it off of the schedule. Keep the DEA away from pot. Simple. Yes. Easy. Incredibly popular bipartisan issue. And yet these fucks will not move on it. Let me grow my pot next to the tomatoes, damn it. It's not It's not that big of a change. But yeah. these fucks will not move on it. <sighs> oh, quick update on bills. Bills, 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 bills. New Mexico's uh, recreational House Bill 12 didn't get voted on in time for their Saturday noon deadline in mm. the end of their regular legislative session. But... <laughs> But Governor Grisham's spokeswoman, whose name is Nora Myers Sackett, I love Sackett. Oh. <laughs> Here, anyways, she uh, told the Associated Press that they would likely call a special session if the bill didn't pass the finish line or cross the finish line. So, oh, you know, Governor wants it done. Maybe it'll get done. That one, I would say, is still on the table. Well, there's, you know, there's hope. S- special session. Mm. We'll see. And then in Maryland, they had a recreational bill that also failed to meet the deadline of being sent from one legislative chamber to the other, and that is dead in the water. That's the easiest way to kill bills on the state level is those deadlines. If you recall in Missouri that year that the Speaker of the House had that big sex scandal, and then just like, that was it. That was like like two and a half weeks before the end of session, and then that rolled out. And then the speaker stepped down, and then they did this pomp and circumstance, and then by the time they picked another speaker and reset everything, time the, the clock just ran out, and nobody's bills got through. It That kind of shit, it's just insane. It's just another piece of this whole institutional system that's deep with corruption that we don't, you know, we don't get even a little tiny say in it. Is it systemic racism? It's systemic bullshit. It's systemic bullshit. Yes, exactly. I hate it. Me too. I hate it. But you know what I don't hate is when I finally moved. You remember the first time you moved? Oh, man. Well, technically, I don't remember the first time I moved. But the first time I consider the first time I moved is I was in high school. And it was probably late 2004. For early 2005 sometime in 2005 I believe and it was just like the house that I grew up in my parents built with a builder you know I mean they didn't build it themselves because they're not construction people but they had it built so they were the first owners lived in it grew up in it everything was great but then uh, they just started to get like the new house itch and kind of uh, had enough money to make some kind of a move up and then for whatever reason, the place they found was, like, above the sort of target that they were looking in. But uh, they just fell in love with the place, my mom especially. It was a it was a beautiful house, and the builder was a woodworker, and his specialty was, like, cabinetry and trim work. Mm. And so all of the woodwork in the house was, like, custom-selected, like, cherries and maples and um, oaks that were all picked for their colors. It was a really nice, beautiful house. 
was just like out of the it was out of the smart budget, you know. Yeah. And I was 14, 15 at the time, so I didn't really know what the hell, you know. I thought it was a little weird, but I didn't I didn't know enough to question, you know. It's like these are your parents. They know what's going on. They know what they're doing. They were in some loan situation where they were just paying interest only. And they weren't like paying principal payments. Oh. And they were kind of banking on, and they were like, oh, well, home values are going up and up and up, and they keep going up, you know? So the home value will just go up, and that's how you get your equity. And then uh, the housing crisis happened, <laughs> like very shortly thereafter. Ugh. And so, oh, it wasn't a great move. And it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, it was definitely a piece of why I got into real estate and helping people shop around because. You want to do something smart when you're doing something as big of a deal as moving. Because, you know, if you get a bad place or if you get an expensive place or whatever situation you're getting yourself into, you're getting yourself in there for the foreseeable future, you know? I mean, most people will live in a place five years at least. So it's not something that you take lightly. And it's not something you can just say, oh, go wild, you know? Like I deserve it, you know. You gotta think of the numbers, and you gotta think of the. It's more than just a pretty place that you're staying in, you know. Yeah. It's gotta be sound. It's gotta be. Uh, well, you have to have the money. You have to have the money and the and a plan. Plans are important. Uh, I bet this caller had a plan. It's phone boy, and yeah, the first time I moved, I, I moved so many times growing up that I, they all just kind of blows their blurs together, really, uh, and I just. Yeah, so because, you know, I had I, my parents were divorced and, yeah, I couldn't decide which parent I wanted to live with. And so, yeah, about every about every year or two, I would uh, I would hop between parents. And so that meant me personally moving. And of course, my parents also moved um, one time I that that I that was somewhat memorable. So my mom owned a house in the Santa Cruz Mountains and for a while she'd rented it out. And, and unfortunately, when she had gotten it back. From the from the renters, yeah, they, it needed some major work done to it. Uh, I remember when we uh, before we had moved back into it, um, yeah, there were, I, I'd opened the front door to this. It was, a, it was it's kind of a cabin, so it wasn't really it wasn't a huge house, but it was um, you know. But the, so when you opened the front door, yeah, there was a huge hole in the middle of the floor, basically. Oh jeez. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, and I, I don't remember what they were. It was, I think that people were like sleeping under the house or something. I mean, it was yeah, the, the thing. Nice. It needed, and say it needed a whole bunch like, of work. Uh, Club six. Yeah, uh, but uh, in yeah, and then when yeah, and then the house got remodeled a bit, and, and that was, um, yeah, that was a little bit memorable, I guess. But uh, it, that's but as I, said, I moved so many times growing up, it's it's uh, uh, kind of silly. And yeah, and, and it's weird because I've lived in the same house for 13 years, and that's unusual. Uh, even even as an adult, I probably you know yeah we, we moved around a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the, the, so yeah. There, I guess there's something to be said for moving. Um, you know, the more you move, the less stuff you realize that you actually need. And that's yeah, very I, true. I feel it's, I feel like a uh, if nothing else, I need to go through and purge my stuff again. So anyway. Um, that's true. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Obama. Yeah. You took my house. That's the funny thing about moving. There's always that one box that just never gets unpacked. I think we have a box that we've moved like four times that we still have unpacked. At least one of them. At least one. Somewhere in there. They're probably um, in the bowl here with us. Oh, phone boy <laughs> had an uh, 
appended message to give us. Okay, unrelated to my previous thing, um, but something else that came up when I was out um, yesterday. Um, I think there's there is uh, you know some pe- some people you know smoke it or don't right. And the first time I smoked uh, the the holy herb was uh, very, as a very young child, which I don't recommend doing. Oh. Um, and of course, I had uh, I, I had drunk stone hippies that uh, as parents that uh, that did. Uh, that did both of those things and whole, and probably more things as well. So, um, and I think that we, we came up in conversation last night. We were, we were discussing because uh, one of the um, one of the children of one of one of the couples that we're friends with uh, works at one of the local weed shops, and and so there is uh, so there's been a lot of education about the stuff. And you know, we got into a discussion about okay, well, you're kind of either into it or not, and, and you know, everybody reacts differently and that kind of thing. But the people that seem to have really bad experiences with it are mostly on the edible side of things. And I think with with edibles, I don't, you know, I don't know that we were designed to consume the holy herb in the way that uh, it gets, you know, I don't know, that it gets blended into edibles, right? right. And and I understand that some people, you know, need that. But I think there's, but I think you got to be really careful with it. And, you know, part of my theory, and it, it, it gets down to um, – yeah, how how does your body uh, assimilate it, and how you know how quickly, and so on? Because it seems like if you overconsume it, yeah, you can have a bad trip. Um, it, it seems to me if you're going to consume the holy herb, and it's just my opinion, that you, that probably smoking it is the the safest way to do it. At least you can you know and that way you can control the um, the input of it because that's really um, you know I think that's really important with with something like that that you know that's mind altering or or conscious altering or whatever and I think that I think that's all important so anyway that but I I figured I'd I'd, I'd put that in the bowl uh, just for consideration and yeah well you know that's just like uh, your opinion man no doubt yeah the edible thing is uh, definitely a different monster because the way that we break it down digestively is a little bit different than how it's smoked and uh yeah it's uh it can get pretty heavy man it can get a little too wild sometimes you never know what you're gonna get especially if you don't know your dosage um i will say that's one of the cooler things about the regulated markets is that that dosage is labeled and hopefully you know if you get a good supplier you have a correctly labeled uh, dose on there and then you can make a a good decision on what you got. But the problem also on the other side of that is there's still a lot of ignorant sons of bitches running around who see a quad dose, 80 milligrams. And they're like, Oh yeah. I mean, it's the size of a Tootsie roll. So I don't know. Or they'll get like a bag of cookies, you know? Mm. And I'll be like, one cookie is like a hero dose cookie. And they'll eat three cookies or they'll eat, they'll they'll eat one cookie. And then it's like 30 minutes and they're like, well, I don't feel nothing. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a while for that to come in. So then you, like, eat another and then another. And then it's just too late for you, man. Then it's on top of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you got to just, like, and that's going to be forever? You never know. Could be forever. This color could be forever. I don't know. It's a short one, though. Let's hear it. Uh, it's the first time I ever moved. I was in my mom's womb. <laughs> of course, I don't remember that. I'm just assuming. <laughs> well, there's a literal caller there, yeah. In your mom's womb. That'd be probably, yeah, the first time. I guess that just depends on, like, your definition. Because maybe if you still identify as the sperm, then 
it was in your daddy's balls that you first move. Oh. Think about it that way. That's going back even further. 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 Uh, Boob said it at the mm, same time. The first time I ever moved. I, um, let me think. I don't know. You can do it. What grade I was in. No, yes, yes, I do. Yes. It was the end of my freshman year of high school. That's when I moved. I moved out of the house I grew up in to yeah. the house with my dad. Then we shortly moved to another place after that. Then my dad moved out of that place, but my mom moved in, so the kids just stayed where they were at huh. in that duplex. And then we moved back to the house we grew up in. Huh. Fucking weird shit. Okay. And then, then I moved out on my own shortly after that. That's the best. But you asked about the first time I moved, not just all times that I moved. The <laughs> I first like time I moved, I was a freshman in high school. End of that year. Good times. That house I moved into was fucking cool. That's uh, where I really like started getting into Pink Floyd and guitar playing. Had my own room that was originally a porch, and it got closed in and insulated, and uh, had it all to myself. Hell yeah! Myself and my guitar. Good times. Love you, bowlers. Bye. Love you, Fletch. Yeah, that sounds nice. I love those seeing old houses that have been repurposed or like moved around, but you can still tell what was going on the last time. Or like sometimes you'll get a house that was like, oh, this used to be three apartments, now it's a whole house or whatever. Those are the coolest. I love looking at those. What about you? What's the first time you ever moved? The year was 2011. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was uh, I was 17, and I moved from my hometown on the south shore of Massachusetts all the way out to Missouri. <laughs> it's the only time I moved. Missouri! I grew up with my great-grandparents, though. They uh, they built the house they lived in <clears throat> that I was, uh, you know, moved into as a young baby and stayed there the whole time. Um, and after I moved to Missouri, my great-grandpa passed and uh, my great-grandma was moved into a senior community. Not a nursing home, but like a, you know, neighborhood for old folks <laughs> where they leave you alone mostly. But I moved out here for college, um, so I only I visited twice, I think, before I moved out here, and I scattered out all the places I wanted to hang out, but unfortunately, I moved into the dorms, Oof. which was fucking lame. Dorms will get you. And not a recommendation for anyone ever. Well, I don't know. Some people have great dorm experiences. Uh, there's, you know, there's like a bunch of dorms on... Mizzou's campus and I moved into the the lamest of them because it was one of the only ones that was open over holiday breaks um and I was concerned that I might not be able to fly home for the holidays which I never did I once I got out here I just stayed out here um saving money started working and uh yeah but it was lame I was in the (laughs) I was in the football player dorm, so I didn't really fit in. But yeah, yeah, big move, big jump, big move into the big city. Jump across Columbia. the street. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> it was the same size as the college town I grew up in. Yeah. About no, it's probably bigger. Mizzou's definitely a way bigger school than Bridgewater State. Yes, but, where uh, I uh, grew up. It's so. just funny. 
that That's so uh, a lot of the a lot of Missouri kids that came from smaller towns around like consider like Columbia to be living in the city. You know, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Whereas it, I think like properly described, Columbia is a suburb of Mizzou itself. So you have the <laughs> campus, which is not a city; it's a campus, and then the sprawl around it is kind of a suburban situation, college town. Yeah, that little downtown area. All, you know, 10 blocks of it. But that's, I mean, that's the whole point of college towns. They don't call them college cities, college metropolises. It's a college town. Good point. You know. Oh, I bet this uh, this caller has a good point. What up, bowlers? I have a question for you. Oh. How the fuck did y'all end up so fucking rad? Oh. That's what I think everybody in the bowl would like to know. <laughs> As far as the first time we were born uh, this way, honey. First time I ever moved, um, that ended up being a little more tricky to answer than I thought it was going to be. I did math, and uh, by the time I had gotten to college and graduated, I believe the final count of the and graduated at twenty with my bachelor's. uh, The amount of times that I had moved was sixteen times, and. uh, it was probably one or two the first time we moved, and then three or four the second time, and then for a while there we were moving every six months. Um, I think the total count the and it gets kind of weird with all the touring stuff. Uh, the amount of places that I've lived, being you know almost thirty, is twenty three different houses or apartments. Wow. Or couches because that happened for a long while. Yeah, a little couch surfing. Um. So yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I thought this was going to be a, a fun one, which it is. This is a great question. I, just, <laughs> I wasn't. I don't know. I didn't have the uh, didn't have the right answer. Oh, that's not even not even the correct way to say it. Too many answers, uh, right? I guess hard to pick the one. The better way to phrase it is: my whole life has been on the move, man. It's just like just gotta go. Just get it on the truck and fucking go, yeah. bro. In the bowl and boobs out. Boobs. Boobs out. <laughs> Thank you, boobs. <laughs> I can see that. Boob seems like a restless guy with the COVID and the shutdown and the not being able to move, move, keep on moving, you know? I would say boob, boobs is like one of those sharks that just has to keep swimming. Got to keep moving. Got to keep the gills getting rushed. Move through the environment. Um, It's funny because uh, Phone Boy actually mentioned the, the Oli Herb and being like super wicked young, trying it. That would probably... uh. And he said it's something he didn't recommend. That That's one of those things where it's like, you've got to come into that world or whatever it is like, as an adult finding it out on your own terms, you know? Yeah. With your own decision making and your own... It's kind of tough because... Um, and he says like he's just not really... He's like not a hater but not drawn to smoke it. Um, that can, That can definitely happen. And I know kids who... Most of the kids I know, for one reason or another, who tried it, like, the younger they ended up trying it, the less positive, I guess, the the uh, feedback was or the experience was. And it's sort of like, it makes it does make sense just because you're still developing, and as a kid, you're supposed to do kid stuff. And, you know, sitting around smoking weed, it's like, it's not really kid stuff, man. Not really kid stuff, I would say. That's why we go behind the curtain keep all the weed back here. There's no kids allowed back here behind the curtain. You have to be a full-grown adult. And that's that's the word. Well, uh, the first time I moved, 
I sat up. Well. <laughs> well. Your mama was proud. <laughs> that was a hell of a day. That's quick. That was. Man, it took my kids, what, three, six months to sit up? <laughs> sat up. We had to do time. a lot of tummy time first, and they had to like lift their neck. <laughs> it was his first motion. Thank you, caller, <laughs> for your first move. Here's another caller. Well, the, the first time I moved, um, I was, I was uh, uh, about four, and it was from an apartment to to a house so like it was it was definitely like a different change it was like a backyard is a front yard and i i what i remember about that house is that i ran hands first into the window like there was a big window in the in the front living room and i ran right into it and and it was like my, but it wasn't like head first, but like it was hands first. Oof. And I probably was also, I probably loved cyclones then, like I do now. I'm enjoying a cyclone right now. And oh, it reminded yeah. me of when I first moved also. Hell yeah. And it was probably like a lot cooler and better for me to enjoy a cyclone at that age in front of my house. Than it is now. <laughs> it's um, it's a it's a different situation when you're sucking on a cyclone in front of your house. Get a lot more uh, get a lot more attention. It's it's cool. It's cool if you want a lot more attention. <laughs> anyway, love you guys. Love, love you. you. Quirkus says, "Look what Carolyn did with her hands. Look what Carolyn did with her hands." <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, don't go through windows though. Hands first, feet first, ass first. Can't be running in those windows. You smash it. There's a there's a double down. I also want to echo what Spencer and Lorian were saying echo. about echo. getting your back cracked at the chiropractor. It is the best. It's so relieving. Just like Poppity pop pop poppity pop. <laughs> yeah. So uh and and visit there even when you're not um all sore. Uh you you still got some poppity pop pops in there. No doubt. Love you guys. <laughs> it says you still got some property pops in there. <laughs> property pops. Property oh, pops. Like they just that. pop you in ways that you can't pop yourself. It's wild, uh because sometimes you don't really know how out of line you are until you get pushed back in line. Mm. And then you get aligned and your body wants to migrate back to where it was. And so they have to keep kind of pushing you. That's why you go, when they first start, they're like twice a week. They're hitting you twice a week for four months and then they hit you once a week after that. And then they hit, you know, it goes less and less as your body gets into alignment and then starts to hold that alignment. When you're training your body where to be. It's like a it's like a finely grown mustache where you gotta comb it into place to kind of train those hairs of which way to grow or else it'll just fuzz all out all over the place. You gotta kinda you gotta train it where to go and where to be. We have we have so many voicemails, I'm gonna try and rapid fire them. It's awesome. That one might have been a butt dial. 
Oh, it's okay. It looks like they just called right back. Happy Token Tuesday, bowlers. Hey. This is Laren, and congratulations on pronouncing my name correctly the first yes. time. For that, you win the prize of hitting a fresh green bowl. All right. Uh, nah, man. Love the show. I'm at work at the brewery right now. I just got done doing my uh, kegging uh, production, and so equipment is in cleanup, and wanted to call in. Yeah. Uh, first time I ever moved. Uh, I was probably two years old. Southern California, uh, from moving from Ventura down to San Diego. So I'm not really going to include that. Uh, my dad was uh, military and we moved every three years. Uh, the fun one I do want to convey is when I was eight years old, living in Washington State in Linwood, uh, my dad got stationed to Marietta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. Being eight years old, my parents pointed it out on a map. And that was pretty cool, you know, Pacific Northwest, moving all the way down to to the southeast. And then I distinctly remember getting really freaked out, almost to the point of crying, because um, I didn't know what language they spoke in Georgia. And my parents were quite funny, even though we're we're laughing, actually, even though they're trying to hold it back. Yeah. Because... Um, they didn't understand why I was crying. And when I finally told them, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to go to school there and what if I don't speak the same language? Mm. And then they were, you know, nice enough to call me down and tell me that they do speak English in Georgia. However, (laughs) as an adult, looking back on it and have visiting Georgia several times, I'm going to say Georgians really don't speak English because (laughs) of that southern drawl. It's very different. uh, For which in... They say Earl instead of oil yep. and stuff like that. But that was a, a kind of a funny time moving. And we actually drove um, Washington State to Georgia. Took wow. three days. Um, had the car loaded up while Uncle Sam had his uh, 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 18-wheeler somewhere out on the road to yes. you know, uh, uh, meet us in Georgia. Um, also wanted to add... That article you guys had just played about the young lady with Ehler Stanlos, you are the second time ever I have heard on a podcast talk about Ehler Stanlos. Huh. Um, I have some friends that do a podcast called Watch Your Mouth, whereby they curse to raise money for charity. Huh. And every 10 episodes is dedicated to a particular charity. And they actually did a 10-episode run. Oh, the suspense. There's the three-minute limit. No, he f- he finished it out. Here we go. <laughs> Damn, dude. This is Laren. The timer got me. Uh, anyway, happens. I just wanted to say uh, that there was a podcast out there that raised money for the Ehlers Danlos Association that helps fund research uh, toward that particular medical condition, which o- only recently have they been able to find more information about. If you guys want to catch some fun nerd dork pop culture and don't mind a whole lot of cursing in the spirit of charity watch your mouth podcast really good stuff interesting anyway you all have a wonderful evening to all the listeners have a wonderful day or night whenever you hear this and may your bowls burn ever brighter hell yeah all right Peace. peace absolutely thank you for the call uh, I'll give you one from Jen. May your bowls burn ever brighter. Thanks for calling, Laren. Uh, yes, Boobs found the link 
uh, wympodcast.com. Watch Your Mouth Podcast. I'll have to check that out. Thanks for the call, man. Yeah, uh, going all the way to Georgia, that's a hell of a drive. Yeah. So, um, coast to coast. <laughs> that's so funny, though. I don't know what they're going to, uh, what language they're going to speak. That reminds me of uh, Diane's kid, you remember, when he was like, they don't understand me. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can understand me in school because of my New Jersey accent. They moved from New Jersey to uh, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Yep. So that was the cutest thing. <laughs> my New Jersey accent. I'm so pleased with the. <laughs> I did actually. I'm not gonna lie. I looked up a couple of different YouTube pronunciations on on Laren just to see what I could find. Because I was going to pronounce it incorrectly, but what uh, were you gonna say originally? I was first thinking maybe it was Lauren, or, and then I was like, oh, it's not. Obviously, it's not Lauren because there's no U. And then I was like, Lauren, and then as soon as the YouTube said Laren, and then I found another different source that also said Laren, and I was like, Laren. That's the only thing that even makes sense. It's got to be Laren. Like, right when I heard it, then I saw it, and then I couldn't even say it another way. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going for it as Laren. I hope yeah. I get it right. Boom! You just, I just do a little bit of research beforehand. Like when I met you. I was just going to say, you pr- you're the first person that pronounced my name right before, you know, when we met for the first time. First try. Uh, Lauren Rose. Well, I think it's Loreen. <laughs> no doubt. It's usually one of those things. It can trip you up, you know? But uh, I don't know. It's always a good one. I don't uh, necessarily uh, come from the John C. Dvorak school of pronounce- pronouncing names. I'm going to try and do a little <laughs> research. Just a little bit, you know, goes a long way. Thank you, Laren, uh, executive producer for today, as we mentioned before. Uh, and, boy, I got a lot of double dips today. It's, it's uh, funny when that happens. Here's another one. So the first time I moved, I was five. Uh... Like out of the uh, center of Detroit, all the the roads are laid out in mile roads, so um, there's not really a uh, uh, one. Well, there's a seven mile, there's a six mile. I think I don't know if there's a five mile. There might have been some of those roads early on, but now they're gone. Or but uh, going out of Detroit, like eight mile is the edge of Detroit. Um, when I grew up, we lived uh, just south of Fort, 14 Mile. Yeah, 14 Mile. We lived south of, north of 13 um, until I was five, and then we moved to 25 Mile Road. So that's 25 miles out of Detroit City, which was kind of like farm country, but there was like a lot of like, that was like the edge of like suburbia, yeah. like the... That's where I grew up. There were subdivisions here and there, but there's a lot of, like, farmland. I went to school with farmers. Mine was the 26-mile marker exit from downtown. But uh, it was kind of, like, different because, like, everything came out as far as this. We had a mall that was down at what you would call, like, 20-mile road, which is Hall Road, which is, uh, if people listen to Hog's story, maybe they heard where I talked about the Golden Butthole. Uh, or sent them the clips of the Golden Butthole. That's on Hall Road. That'd be 20-mile road. That's a so 20 butthole. miles outside of the center of Detroit. Um, there was a huge mall there. It was like the biggest mall, I think, in the United States when it was built. 
But, uh, yeah, there was that there, and then we moved out here, and it was kind of a little bit different because you're, like, out on the edge, and you had, if you had cousins that lived closer into the city, they, you'd tell them where they live. You live, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is, like, farm country. And you're like, no, no, it's not. <coughs> we have but a Sonic, anyways, I swear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, with the marijuana laws and everything, when they made it legal here, I think, I don't know if it was when they did the medical or the uh, – uh, totally legal everywhere, but like the the attorney general, the state, like continued to try and go after dispensaries and places that were kind of setting up. And they might have been a little bit sketchy, but he was still going after and arresting all these people for pot all the time inside the state here. And then that's who ran for governor on the Republican side. And the Democrat side was Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, God. And uh, since that guy kind of went after all the dispensaries and bullshit. Oh, well. My spidey senses are off. Oh, yeah. I didn't sound sad coming you, to an end. But anyway. You um, usually sense it. So, yeah. So that attorney general was going after all the pot uh, dispensaries and grow operations and all that, even though we had legal laws in the state making it legal. But uh, then uh, he was the one that ran for Republican governor on that side, and then Trump endorsed him, even though we had another guy that was a lot better that was a Republican on that side, but whatever. Mm. Um, and then Whitmer was on the other side, and we ended up with Whitmer. So, hooray! Isn't that wonderful? It's in the bowl. Yeah, that sucks, man. I mean, it sounds like you, you had the typical uh, giant deuce versus turd sandwich on that election, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where have we seen that before? Fucking hell, all the time. All the time. Uh, we are actually here at our last voicemail so far. We made it. Hi, uh, I was just calling in response to another caller. Oh, nice. Uh, the, the fact, I, I have also run into a window, Ooh. but it wasn't hands first. I ran in head first. Oh. And it wasn't into the window, it was into the corner of a window. Oh. And this was the, the 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 house that I grew up at, which is pretty. I, I did move into that, so I guess this phone call applies to the theme. Nice. But I just want to say, I was I was playing tag or something with a buddy of mine. I was really young, and I ran into this window, and I carved open my, my forehead. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I should get graphic. But I walked <laughs> in and I scared the bejesus out of my mom because I looked like I was straight out of a horror flick. Uh. Um. Yeah, don't move into houses. They have windows. Watch out for them. Okay, watch out for them. Thank you. Um, in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Mr. Lavish, <laughs> thank you for the tip. Yeah, y'all are running into some windows out there, huh? I punched a window out once, but that was like my own volition, slash lack of control, slash I really didn't think it was going to shatter. Mm. I was just kind of irritated in a bad headspace. And we had a window in the shower of this uh, apartment I lived in at the J slums and it was just like single pane glass well actually there were two panes so it was a double pane glass but it was like old school glass it wasn't like like in the house I grew up in or like in the house we have here where it's like that almost plastic feeling glass you know but it's like more solid glass and it would if you busted it it's like safety glass so it would spider web you know right this glass fucking sounded just like 
cartoon sound effect glass when it broke. Like it just shattered. And I just, you know, I was just like, bah! I was just, I gave it a kind of a glancing kind of punch just because I was like, Bruh! I was irritated, let's say. And man, it, it carved up my, I know you didn't want to say carved lavish, but I know the glass does, I mean, there's really few other ways to describe when glass gets into the skin other than it carves it, man. Yikes. And uh, yeah, I didn't uh, didn't hit any tendons or nothing. Everyone at the uh, everyone at the Stitch R Us was like, "Wow, kid, you're lucky." And I was like, "Yay, I'm lucky." As you sit there in your bathroom with your bleeding hand, I had my roommate <laughs> drive me to the hospital, and I was like, "Dude, you don't have to wait for me. Like, you can go on home. I can, I can just walk." Because we live pretty much on campus. It was like the edge of campus, so I just went to the campus hospital, and you know, I had to walk farther for some of my classes then I had to walk there so uh, I actually since I was in the shower all I did was throw on a robe and then the robe had just blood all over it <laughs> and then I just walked out of there once they like they sewed me up <laughs> and then I just walked home so I walked home in flip-flops and a robe and nothing else blood stains with like shower damped hair with just this bloody robe and like my hand all wrapped in gauze and Oh my god, I must have looked like a horror show. But people just like stayed away, man. Yeah. <laughs> they just gave me like a wide path to walk over. It was kinda I don't know. You just looked like a townie. I don't mind <laughs> I don't mind shit like that personally. I don't really uh take large stocks in what other people think or like <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. I don't let it get me down. Plus I was already in my own little frustrated headspace, headspace. anyway. So yeah, that was an intense day. Yeah. Didn't do any moving during it, but, uh, yeah, that glass, the windows can get you, man. Windows are not necessarily your friend. Yeah, I'm fortunate to uh, have not gone through any windows. Yeah, I would say <laughs> uh, Lavish is right when he says you got to watch out for him. Carolyn, she's correct. You've got to be careful when it comes to windows, man. Maybe you should outlaw windows. <laughs> just yeah, kidding. There they go. That, that would be a step Prohibition in the right never direction, works. <laughs> Prohibition never works. You know what we could do to make the world a better place? Uh, ban windows. <laughs> Some people would say ban windows. Ten. <laughs> but we don't because we're running the whole bowl on it, man. That's right. We say, fuck it, dude. Want to go bowling? Oh, yeah. We do say that, don't we? Um, ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, a stolen puppy here in Kansas City oh, no. was returned to its owner after a standoff between the police and a burglar. Holy shit. Yes. It all started on March 6th when a woman came home and found her house in disarray. It had been burgled, and her 13-week-old pit bull pup named Piglet was missing. Oh, Piglet. She uh, went to the apartment... Uh, place. I think it was an apartment building she was living in, and asked for the security footage. And lo and behold, the security camera was right outside her home and showed the guy entering the house and leaving with the puppy. And lucky for her, he looked right into the camera Ooh. in that footage. So he rolled one there. Yeah. Flyers were posted all about the city and an anonymous source called in and ID'd the man. So this woman went on social media and found pictures of him with her piglet. The cops then tracked him down, found the house he was at, 
and when he refused to come out, they had to call in tactical forces and negotiators. They had a standoff that lasted a one and a half hours. Oh my he goodness! He finally came out, and no one was shot. Uh, he was charged with burglary and stealing, and apparently he was already out on bond for three other burglary cases. Keep Piglet where I can see him. Keep Piglet where I can see him. Now, sadly, Piglet was not in that house, and he later confessed to police that he sold Piglet for two hundred bucks. Yeah, no doubt. I was gonna say, but when the you buyer, gotta, you got to pity that young. It's like. Easy money, and you can scoop, and they're, you know, transportable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the buyer uh, caught wind of all this and returned the dog, and... Good work, buyer. The officer who was running this whole case, along with the Metro Property Crimes detectives, pooled their money together to pay the buyer back for their oh. good deed of returning the pup. Pretty good story That's there. A pretty good game so yeah. far. Not bad. Now, this weekend... Overland Park police pulled, that's just over the border in Kansas, they pulled over a woman who was driving 149 miles per hour on I-4-35. I'm sorry, I mean, that's dumb, but still pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, you know what's even more awesome? Her excuse. She told the cop she thought she was only doing 129. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she's now facing a $900 fine. Always lie 20 miles an hour lower. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought I was doing a buck 29, not a buck 49. I mean, you can't tell, right? I does a does the, a speedometer the, on most cars go up to 149 even? Like you've buried the needle at 120 in most of them. I don't know. I haven't tested that out since I was like 16. And you hit the governor a lot sooner than that on most cars, too. So, geez, she must have had a freaking hot rod, man. Yeah. Did it say what she was driving? Oh, no, it did not. You know, that's a pity. That it is was too a very, bad. Very short article. I know. No, that's no, a fine car to be going 149. Wants, uh, yeah, that's wild. They could have bumped up some sales, though, for some local uh, cars. I know what you were driving. Yeah, we'll have to stay on this and see if we can get an answer. It was probably a motherfucking Tesla. <laughs> Maybe just... Uh, Roadster. Yeah, look through their like blotter or something. they got to have the details somewhere. We don't have the details on this, but it seems Trump could return to social media on his own platform. Although when I started reading the articles about uh, Trump's social media return, I, sound, I was like, these are not very trustworthy sources saying this. An aide? Jason Miller? Some aide is saying he's coming back with his own platform and he's had all these woohoo meetings with big people. and Yeah? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Trump hasn't said it himself. That's like but a... he has said... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got a combo roll on it because it's kind of up in the air. Trump did say that, uh, you know, the big tech fuckers did him a favor kicking them off, him off their platforms because he feels that his newsletters or his emails that he's sending out <laughs> are doing much better well, and getting better press coverage in the way he wants. Email is decentralized. Um, that's one nice thing about it. Then uh, here's a great one out of Louisiana. A priest and two dominatrices were slapped with vandalism charges after a threesome at the altar. Holy shit. <laughs> 
This happened last September, and they were busted when a passerby walking past the church peeked through the window and saw him and then decided to call the police. Oh, did he get peeping Tom charges or what? They were all slapped with obscenity charges because they were in view of the public. Uh, If they had just thrown a curtain across the window, they would have been fine. But anyways, the priest was removed from the church the day after his arrest. Yeah. Um, The altar was burned, and a new one was consecrated last October. Wow. Yes. They had to burn the altar. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. It was a Catholic church. I mean, uh, yeah, that would be desecrating it, I guess. That's, uh, if you're going to follow the rules, you got to follow the rules, you know? Can't have that as an altar when your priest ruins it. Yeah. But if your house is ruined with a bunch of junk... American Pickers is coming to Missouri. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Come on in, boys. They're coming in May. Coming in May. Looking for private collections. Not interested in the flea markets or, you know, the booth sellers and all that stuff. Gotta have a fine private collection. And I have seen that show, and I know that my collection is not fine enough. No doubt. But, boy... I not love enough, that show. Not enough signs and motorcycles and tractors. And history. Here. It's like always a historic yep. property. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite ones from this uh, Missouri, actually closer to St. Louis, was like an old a place where they used to make bricks. And it was just a huge lot of land. And this guy had all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Gas pumps. And oh, God, I love that show. <laughs> I love junkin'. I guys. think my favorite one he did was that optometrist. Oh, that was wild. They had all these like glass eyeball globes, and they had a bunch of old like optometry equipment. Yeah, not to mention we were staying in a hotel room with a heart shaped jacuzzi that night. So that was a good night. All around, it was was a good night. Yeah, those giant eyes were wild. Anyway, you never forget where you were when you watch a good episode of Pickers. I mostly watch it in hotel rooms because we don't have, uh, you know, TV. No doubt. Like, <laughs> it's either a hotel room or at my dad's house. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. That's where TV watching happens. I, I hear there's a burlesque episode, like where they go through like burlesque heaven, Junkin', and I gotta see that one. Gotta see it. Your dad mentioned it to me. I just haven't looked it up on or the internet. Or could it be her yet. massive stripper titties? Possible. Titties are always good. Uh, you know what's also good? What's good? Earning 2400 bucks in 24 hours. Is that something that Ooh, interests you? I'm into that. Does that, that sound good? Yes. Well, applications are open until March 26, 2021, oh. I believe, at 5 p.m. Three deadline. Days. Uh, yeah, you got three days to get the applications in. This will be in the show notes, so you can we can all apply, all the bowlers. All you have to do to earn $2,400 is stay away from sque- screens. You know, TV screens, computer screens, your phone. Stay away from them for 24 hours. Just one day. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I need that. I need, like, some kind of screen sabbatical. No joke. You are the perfect person for this. I was like, oh. I I actually uh, filled out the application, and they're like, tell us in 100 words why you really deserve to be this. And also, like, on a level of 1 to 10, how addicted to technology are you? And I was like, well... I'm gonna tell you it was an 11, uh, but you know my baby here can't. What the? We're sitting at dinner. You're listening to podcasts at the dinner table. (laughs) You're just always on it, playing phone games. But anyway, Uh, I have. Dwadam just posted this uh, 
screen cap of Scrooge McDuck at the optometrist, but in the background, the little eye chart, it like has a big A at the top, but then it says, ask about Illuminati, <laughs> is what the message on the sign says. Oh my gosh. Holy moly. If that's not shopped, then good work. <laughs> good work either way. That's freaky. Holy moly. I want the source video on it. <laughs> Show, me source. Show me the source. I got a clip. Oh, clip me. It's called Pennies. Pennies clip. You and Pennies. <laughs> pennies removed. <laughs> the details tonight after a worker says his disgruntled boss paid him his final paycheck in pennies. Nearly $1,000 worth of coins dumped in his driveway. Ooh. Tonight, CBS 46's Jamie Kennedy speaking with the owner Jamie of Kennedy. AOK Walker Luxury <laughs> Auto Shop to get his side of the story. Probably $1,000 worth of pennies and Jesus. a little less now. Those pennies. Dumped at Andreas Flatten's house in the middle of the night as a form of payment for his final check from AOK Walker Luxury Auto Shop, according to him. Accent? They're also oh. covered in oil. They're covered in something. Oh. Don't know what it is, Earl. but it smells funny. Andreas says he left the <laughs> auto nice shop because of a toxic work environment. The man behind the stunt, according to Andreas, is the auto shop owner, Miles Walker, and it seems like he's not the only one who left because of working conditions. And while working, for him he was my manager and part my language but he said you think you have a bigger dick than any of the boys <laughs> well we're gonna prove that right now and decided to de-pants me in the lobby and thought it was funny the other employees i spoke with say they too experienced a toxic environment and ripping up people's paychecks their last check in front of their face and tell them Get out of here. I spoke with Walker in Jesus. person about the pennies and recorded <laughs> the conversation. May I ask you at all about the pennies? Do you know anything about that? I know tons about it. <laughs> What's wrong with it? So did you, did you, you did drop the pennies over at that person's house? I don't know if I did that or not. I don't yeah, really remember. You don't really remember. It doesn't matter. Is it or not? He got paid. That's all that matters. He's a weenie for even bringing it up. <laughs> it seemed like too much of a stretch to ask for a penny for his thoughts. Why is he waiting oh, for bringing oh, it up? Oh, oh, because he is. And because you guys give him a platform. I just told you exactly what I had to say. You guys are what's wrong with the world. Get the fuck off my property. Okay? Based. Okay. Yeah, based. I was like, all right, if I had a luxury vehicle, maybe I'd take it to that asshole. <laughs> oh my God. That guy sounds like a real pecker head for sure. Oh, but for fucking sure. But the guy with the <laughs> microphone and the camera sounds no better. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't you know about the pennies? Oh, did you put the pennies in his house, sir? What do you know about the pennies? What a penny no for your thoughts. Jesus. A penny for that your thoughts. That sounded like he had too much glue huffing coming up, man. I'm not sure what the accent was, if it is an accent or... I don't know. It reminds me of the, the British arc of uh, Arrested Development. <laughs> if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I have not. Yeah, that's okay. But I bet a bunch of bowlers have. Yeah. So a Four masked British bandit. A masked bandit was caught sleeping in the dishwasher of an Ohio home. He broke in through a bathroom light and ransacked the kitchen. He is, of course, a raccoon. Oh, so <laughs> of course. Jesus. Um, the oh, homeowners Jesus. called 911, which is, you know, just great use of our taxpayer money here. Good job, Ohio. And they called in a patrolman whose nickname is the Absurd Animal Call Officer after having previous encounters with a kangaroo and a cow. Oh my god. So they goodness. got a cop dedicated to wild animal uh, oh. calls. 
Well, it, they could just forward it over to animal control, but no. You got to put your best people on what they're good at. You know, <laughs> the, he's got a certain skill set. He, he, you know, when the coon's out of control, you got to send Bobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is uh, it a bear? Is it a lion? Is it a sheep? Is it a mouse? We don't care. Get Bobby. A, uh, a wife was um, belittled by her husband when she tried to throw packing peanuts into the trash. And he was just like, what are you doing? That's not how you get rid of packing peanuts. And then he taught the world something. Oh. If you dump your packing peanuts into the sink and run hot water over them, they dissolve. No bullshit? No bullshit. She put a TikTok video up of it. I don't have TikTok. And That's not going to like... I didn't see it anywhere else. Destroy but... your pipes or nothing? <laughs> I don't know about that. That sounds no risky to me. <laughs> yeah, he acted like uh, that was common sense. Like he'd been doing it his whole life. Oh well. Aren't you polluting the streams or something? Something about that just I doesn't just seem don't... like. Yeah, like what are they made of? Yeah. What is it? What are you putting? We in already there? have so much shit in the water with all the pharmaceuticals people are peeing out. Birth yeah. control. Oh, and... I've I've seen enough documentaries bitching about the micro beads in exfoliant. Oh, that's right. Face wash. Yeah. Now you're putting the packing peanuts in the water. I mean, they say that you're not even supposed to burn the styrofoam cups because of the toxic gases that it puts off even though it looks fucking rad <laughs> um yeah i don't know i mean that's cool if you could make it go away that way that's make it go away kind of interesting if it's made out of something that's all right but i say just reduce reuse recycle we all gotta mail shit once in a while right just put those packing peanuts in a bag and save them for when you uh gotta mail something yeah, just start poshing yeah, like me. Exactly. I'm like, I always use a pack of peanuts. I pack them in something else and send them mm. off. Shipping, shipping 10, 15 boxes a week some weeks. Yeah. Come on. Get at me. Lots of merry mushrooms coming in and out of here. Uh, a new mom was mortified by the photo her husband decided to send out to the entire family. Uh-oh. He had a nurse take a picture of him holding his newborn uh, while she lay in the hospital bed next to them. And uh, apparently he didn't notice that her hospital gown was up, like, to her belly button. So nice. her nether regions, all bloodied and <laughs> stretched, were exposed to his entire family and her entire family. <laughs> it's a step in the right direction after all. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I do know that... I'm doing the finger quotes here when it's when I'm saying it's an accident. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look at that mess. <laughs> oh, good lord! I I do know that. Merry Christmas, <laughs> welcome, baby. When you're having a baby, at least in my situation in the house, it's like I don't care who comes in. Like my mind is just on like having a baby, you know, butt ass naked. Your dad walks in. I'm like, hey, Ugh. <laughs> 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 whoever walks in and. Yeah, it's just kind of like that. Your body's just in baby pushing mode. Yeah. Baby delivering mode. I mean, in the proper context, nobody should be able to get upset at that. No. In my opinion. Nike's freedom. I don't mind being naked. I mean, I, they all know how it works, right? Uh, so, like, I hopefully. Don't I don't know. Yeah, but still. That's a lot of blood sometimes, it you know? It can be jarring. Vaginal <laughs> birth. You may have heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes the grown men pass out, apparently, mm. sometimes. Uh, this lady's going to be lucky if she gets to have babies someday, because uh, while visiting Bali, 
she picked up a small octopus octopus <laughs> to <laughs> octopus <laughs> she picked um, it up she saw this teeny tiny octopus she was like that is so cute i've got to pick it up okay she picks it up to pose for photos with it she did not realize that it was a blue ringed octopus mm. recognized as one of the most deadliest animals in the ocean holy shit this octopus has enough venom in it to kill 26 people. Goodness. Yeah. She was mortified to learn that their bites are tiny and painless, and many victims don't even realize they've been envenomated until respiratory depression and paralysis begins. Oh, my goodness. Even better, there's no anti-venom. Oh, my... Get it away from me. (laughs) I mean... Octopus. I mean, that's just not a cuddly creature in the first place. You know, I I think it's common knowledge that like jellyfish sting you, and you don't want to pick those up. But an octopus to me seems even the small ones like real freaky. And to, like, be fair, to be fair, to be fair, it fit in the palm of her hand. I mean, it's a teeny tiny yeah, little dude, okay. but I wouldn't pick it up. I wouldn't pick it up. But if it's nibbling on I don't, you and you're like, oh, look, it bit my fingy. And, and you're then like you're like, actually <laughs> being poisoned to death. Like, oh, it's shutting down my internal organs. Oh. This is how I die. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, no update on her. No updates yet. No. Uh, so. Best of luck. Best of luck. You see an uh, octopus on the beach? Just kind of get next to it. Get down next to it and do your ignorant pose. Leave. Wildlife alone, and they will leave you alone. Just don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't step on Snick. The Graham's gonna love this. I found me an octopus. And it's teeny tiny, chibi octopus. <laughs> well, anyways, we gotta come up with a new first time I ever for next week. Actually, we don't. We don't? No, because uh, Phone Boy came up with it, and it's called First Time I Was Caught Speeding. Oh, first time I ever got caught speeding. Yeah, first time I ever got caught speeding. That'll be next week's F-Tie. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Any other business? No. I got got done. That was pretty much it. That was it. Awesome. We had a great show tonight. Filled it out. Lots of voicemails. You guys killed it on the voicemails tonight. So we love that. We love you. Thank you for hanging out in the bowl. To No Agenda Nation, if you're listening on the No Agenda stream, thanks for hanging out. And uh, you can find us here on Tuesday nights, right when DH Unplug wraps up. So that's usually around 9 central. And uh, you can find us on the Bull After Bull stream as well. We usually got something going on 24-7, unless uh, the programs crash and I'm not around to turn them back <laughs> on. And then, uh, then you get some silence. But hey... We do our best. Keep something going. Some music, some shows, some variety, this and that. Sometimes my little baby's playing on the drums. Whatever we can do. Yeah, always something, though. Usually always something. Usually always. (laughs) 40% of the time, it's going all the time. And we are a value for value podcast, so if you got value out of this, head on over to bullafterbull.com. Find our uh, V4V page and... Give in whatever way you find appropriate, whether it's an ISO, leaving a voicemail, sending some Satoshis, Bitcoins, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Take a variety of value. 
We like to give a variety and get a variety. But hey, loved hanging out with you guys, and we'll see you all next Tuesday. I've been Dame DeLorean. I've been Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. May your bowls burn ever brighter. May your bowls burn ever brighter. Dame DeLorean. Dame, Dame DeLorean. Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I am a lone wolf. Oh, it is on, folks. It is on. It is on. Be food.